Thanks for being here. Um, I'm Denise Fergani, um, Ritual and History Director, and I've got Kyla Smith. Well, so you get to start. I uh, I actually did have in here that I was going to introduce you, Denise, but I think most of this crowd knows you. Former fraternity president, current ritual and history director. Since we had some folks from Leadership Academy, Denise was also the linen intern. Um, <laughs> she has she has many many. And I blocked the light. I also that was a very major important job. She's the gaffer for all uh, all filming. Um, and I'm Kylie Smith. I'm the archivist and the museum director. So um, I'm grateful that Denise has has allowed us to join her team in presenting these programs. So Denise, you want to get us going? All right. So for, just so you all know, so from Kappa's founding in 1870 until the election of Tate Hearts of Coons as the first grand president in 1881, all the administration of the fraternity was taken care of by the chapters. So just think about that. The chapters did all the administration. So naturally, since it all started with Alpha Chapter at Monmouth, they were the first grand chapter and presided at the first governing um, body of the fraternity. Minnie Stewart was Alpha's first president and is truly considered the first president of the fraternity. Tay Hearts of Coons is the first grand president when they changed the structure. Um, Alpha at Monmouth was the first chapter, and then Delta at Indiana was the second, and then Epsilon at Illinois Wesleyan was the third. After what's been called the Great Misunderstanding, this is my favorite polite way of saying that the convention of 1880 was supposed to be hosted in Madison, Wisconsin, but was rescheduled at the last minute, and a makeup convention was held in 1881. So after that, that's where Tade was elected and they switched to the Grand Council form of government. And that was where the administration of Kappa was handled by elected officers who also kept all of the fraternity's most important documents and records in their homes. FYI, that's Tade's portrait on the right that hangs at headquarters over near finance and in the lounge area if you've been there before. And believe me, we have heard lots of guesses about who people think is in that painting. Some people have thought Eleanor Roosevelt, not a Kappa, um, and others have thought Clara Pierce. So when you see pictures of Clara Pierce towards the end of this presentation, you'll understand why that also seems um, like, a, like a silly suggestion. So it is, however, Tade Hearts of Coons. So to give you a sense of what the times were like when Kappa began this path of growth, there were nearly 38,000 women in college in 1880. Kappa had 17 active chapters in 1881, and more than 1,600 women had been initiated since the founding in those first 10 years. So now, can any of you guess how many alumni associations were active in 1881? 17. Okay, great guess. Anybody else? Five. Okay. Five and 17, all good guesses. None. <laughs> good job. Whoever said, who said none? Kyle. 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 <laughs> there was none. You are correct. Besides those in positions of leadership, alums were considered the silent voice of the fraternity at that time. It then did change, but at that time, um, they didn't have a voice. So that worked for a little while until they realized that an inordinate amount of time and work was in the hands of the Grand Secretary and the Grand Treasurer. So in 1922, Grand President Sarah Harris Rowe from Upsilon Chapter at Northwestern proposed a new paid position that would combine the duties of both offices. And they called that the Executive Secretary Treasurer, though now we know it as the Executive Director. 
The new position was approved by the delegates of the 1922 convention, and they also created the central office, which we know today as HQ or headquarters. And for people who aren't familiar with our organization, whenever we give tours of the building, especially to non-members or members and their families, um, we typically describe the executive secretary or today's executive director as the prime minister of the organization. Mm -hmm. They're in charge of all of the business and operations and staff of Kappa Kappa Gamma. And then the fraternity president on the other hand is like the queen of the organization. She's in charge of the member specific heart of Kappa. She oversees the hundreds of volunteers who really keep Kappa running. So the first executive director was Della Lawrence from Beta Kazi chapter at Texas, who was already serving as the grand secretary. She was elected executive secretary in 1922 and paid an annual salary of $1,500. <laughs> at the time, the key magazine noted that Della would handle all Kappa business directly and would have the duties of the grand secretary, grand treasurer, custodian of the badge, business manager of the key, and director of the catalog. And central office was set up in her home in Bryan, Texas, and later in St. Louis, Missouri. So that year in 1922, the original Kappa headquarters was called Central Office, and it was a humble space. It was literally the side room in the home of the executive secretary. And it was described as boxes piled high and work was conducted on first a card table and then on Della's dinner table. The work kept her busy, but she did find time to be courted. A year later, after she married Howard Burt, Della moved Kappa's central office into her new matrimonial home. So it's fun to think of Howard as the first male employee of Kappa Kappa Gamma, long before we had Ronnie, Sean, Andrew, Ryan, and Alex. Howard helped with Kappa's membership and magazine mailing lists, and apparently he even served as photographer, developer, and photo editor for Kappa on a number of occasions. It was in the May 1925 issue of The Key that they even ran this crossword puzzle and attributed it to Howard Burt with his assistant, the executive secretary. The February 1927 issue of the magazine published an account of visiting Della and Howard in St. Louis by Florence Tomlinson, assistant to the executive secretary, future fraternity president, and also a Kappa from, from the current president, Mary Pat Rooney's chapter Gamma Theta at Drake University. Florence noted the incredible amount of mail that, De that Della received, processed and sent out on behalf of the fraternity. She also noted that Howard Adela went daily to the post office to send out necessary correspondence. And this, too, uh, this cartoon is one of our favorites. <laughs> so then in the 1928 issue of The Key, Della wrote, files in the living room, Kappa boxes in the bedroom, and of Mr. Burt's feeling that he would never be surprised to find multigraph type in his oatmeal. From the time before we were married, when my reply to his suggestion that we go to the movies was that we multigraph Mae Westerman's letter or check the key mailing list instead, to tonight when he is developing the pictures to be used in this article, we have lived Kappa and we shall miss it all. I laughed at a recent letter from a Kappa whose interests must be broader than my own, asked, what else do you do, Della, besides your Kappa work? Della went on to say, I have nothing else. I have done nothing else from morning until night. She wrote the subject of conversation in the Burt House is Kappa, or if not a Kappa, at least a Kappa husband, or surely a Kappa something. So I'm sure none of you know what that is like. 
1928, Della Burke announced her upcoming retirement as executive secretary and Clara Pierce's appointment to take over on January 1st, 1929. Clara had served as a province vice president, secretary for the Columbus Alumni Association, was chair of the Fraternities Endowment Fund, worked for the Industrial Bureau of Columbus and served as a cataloger in Della's central office in St. Louis, part of her training and preparation to take over the job as executive secretary. Clara's first task was to rent office space in downtown Columbus, Ohio, which took Kappa Kappa Gamma to the relatively new at the time, Ohio State Savings Building. And that was right in the heart of the city, just two blocks from the state capitol. And the building is still there. In fact, I rode my bike by it yesterday. The building was finished in 1927 and it has a cool art deco style to it. And I'm guessing that the building's owners were grateful for Kappa since they leased the space in 1929 before the stock market crash and we maintained our lease then through the depression. In fact, Clara and the leadership of Kappa is credited with navigating the depression with a steady hand and level head. Times were tough for most, but because of Clara's experience and business acumen, Kappa weathered that financial crisis quite successfully. We've talked with members who worked at headquarters in those days, excuse me, central office, and everyone was on pins and needles wondering if they would still have jobs, if chapters and their members and employees would be able to stay the course, and by and large, they did. So Kappa would operate out of the Ohio State Savings Building from 1929 until 1952, after which we moved over to East Town Street and became the first of the women's fraternities and sororities to own our own headquarters. Clara Pierce would serve a remarkable 40 years as executive secretary for Kappa Kappa Gamma, and to this day we benefit from many of her brilliant business decisions. Chapters and house boards get better insurance rates thanks to group policies managed by headquarters, chapter, association, house board, fraternity, foundation, and now fraternity housing corporation officers are bonded and insured against fraud and personal liability. Chapters with facilities receive low interest loans through the fraternity to build, renovate, or add sprinklers. Our name, symbols, insignia, publications, and ritual are all trademarked, registered, and copyrighted. And the list of everything Clara did just goes on and on. It sure does. A lot of Clara's innovations were later used by other organizations, and she was well known in the Greek and business world. When she died in 1969 from cancer, the fraternity was getting ready to celebrate our 100th anniversary. And the staff and volunteers in charge of observing that incredible milestone pulled off a wonderful year of celebration, but have commented that on the surface, it was all wonderful and fun. But on reflection and just below the surface, many felt the significant hole left by Clara. However, as we now know, not only did Clara steer the fraternity in the right direction for 40 years, she left a roadmap for many others to follow much later. And I feel like since we did just wrap up Leadership Academy, that's the most important part. Like the old saying, you should lead yourself out of a job. You really should do something well, but make sure those with whom you work and mentor can do it even better when you're gone. That's exactly right. And so we, I think, are towards the end of our little show here. Um, and I just want to thank Kylie again for presenting.
yeah. with me. Uh -huh. Thank you for allowing me to join. And as a staff member myself, I know that we have important roles and jobs, but I also know that we can't do any of what we do without the tireless work of all of the volunteers like you. Um, I know that I've made CAP of my career, but I know you guys have as well, in addition to already having busy careers of your own. So thank you, truly. It really, it really is incredible. All right. So maybe we'll see you next month. Yes. yes. Lovely to see you all. I'll be here. Thank mm -hmm. you. All right. Take care, y'all. Have a good rest of your Sunday. You do Thank the you. same. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.